Welcome to Life Talks with Stephen and Pam. I hope you're all ready Yay. because today, right now, we're hitting Proverbs 9 and this is going to be exciting. Yeah, for sure. You know, Pam, I was just thinking that this is a spiritual transfer of God's word into our heart. But, you know, I was thinking in real practical, understandable terms, as we go through Proverbs, we're getting a view into God's thinking. Oh, I like that. And it changes our thinking. As we meditate on God's thinking, our thoughts begin to line up. And you know what? I'll go out on a limb here and kind of put this out as a law. It's impossible to change your thinking, to elevate your thinking, and for your entire life not to advance and to get promoted. We all like promotion. As our thinking gets better, our life gets better. Oh, for sure. As we think more like God does. You know, this is one of the things it says in Psalm 103, I think it's verse 7, that the children of Israel, they knew the acts of God. They knew the outcome. They knew... They knew God was the one who could part the Red Sea. They saw the things that God did. But Psalm 103, verse 7 says this, but Moses knew the thoughts of God. And because he knew the thoughts of God, he better knew the heart of God. He knew the motives, the why. There's an expression in the working world that the person that knows how will always have a job. The Mm, person that knows why will always be his boss or her boss. Oh, that's really good. To know how to do something is great. That's wonderful. The expression in the business world is when you know how, you will never lack for a position for work. But when you know why... Mm, that's you will really be the good. boss. You'll be over all these people that know how. And this is what Proverbs is about. It, Proverbs teaches us how, but it teaches us why. Yeah. God's why. I want to encourage you as you're listening to this, man, get excited because God is advancing our thinking. You know, Proverbs 23, 7, we're going to get to that, but it says, as a man or a woman thinks in their heart, so they are. Your thinking determines how you talk and how you walk. And so therefore, it determines the outcome of your living. It's impossible for your thinking not to advance and for your life not to advance. So my friend, as you get into this, just let the Holy Spirit minister the word of God to your heart. Keep digesting it, taking it in with an expectation that God is advancing your thinking. Every time Jesus preached, almost every sermon was prefaced with this, repent, that word repent. We've kind of let that word go in a lot of ways because it sounds old school. It sounds kind of King James-ish and it sounds a little <laughs> bit too uh, Old Testament for us and kind of like, well, that was, you know, like <laughs> okay, we're, we're under grace now. My friend, being under grace, we should be able to lightning fast and even better repent, right. which really means change your way of thinking. It's like you've been going along, hitting your face into a brick wall. I know what that feeling is like just to keep doing the same thing and hope for a different outcome, but keep getting the same outcome. And you keep walking away with that bloody nose in this circumstance, so yeah. to speak. And then suddenly it's like Jesus steps in and goes, Stephen, repent. Well, what do you mean, master? He's saying, turn this way and think differently. Change your thinking. Mm-hmm. And in changing your thinking, I will transform you and transform your world. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this. Everybody wants to change the world, but it seems that too few are willing to change their own thinking. So we're coming to the cross right now, and we're going to receive deliverance from our wrong thinking. Mm, And in the name of Jesus, we're going to receive right thinking. So that's what we do right now, Master. We invite your precious Holy Spirit, and we repent. Just say that out loud as we're getting ready for this. Just 
Friends, just say this along with me. Lord, I repent, Lord, I repent of wrong thinking. Of wrong thinking. I bring all my wrong thinking. I bring all my wrong thinking to the cross. To the cross. I lay it down. Lay it down. I resign from it. I resign from I it. I denounce my wrong I thinking. I denounce my wrong thinking. And I receive right thinking. And I receive right thinking. Because the word says, as the word says, I have legal right to. I have legal right the to the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ. The mind of the anointed the one. The mind of the anointed and one. His anointing. And his anointing. So I receive that right now. I receive that right Holy now. Holy Spirit, breathe this word. Holy Spirit, breathe this word into my heart. Into my heart. And I will never be the same again. And I'll again. never be the same again. Thank God. Thank Hallelujah. You. Thank you, Father. That's good. All right, let's get into it, Pammy. Proverbs 9. Why don't you kick us off? Wisdom has built her house, and she has hewn out and set up her seven perfect number of pillars. Pillars are foundational. Have you ever seen those like home and garden TV shows right. where a lot of times the house looks kind of nice? Low bearing and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. Then somebody gets a deal on the house, and then the next thing you know, the person doing the work, they're like, hey, we need to talk. And as soon as you get right. that kind of... You know, hey, Jimmy, we need to talk. It's like, oh, how much is this going to cost me? And they're like, well, everything looks fine, but we went down into your basement. We went down by the foundation and we saw that you've got some pillars that are rotting. Right. You know, we've got some load bearing beams that have got termite yeah, right. Chewing on it, right? Right. And it's like, oh, okay, so what's what's this going to be? Well, to get down in there and, and to put this support beam that, think about it. When you get your house all done, nobody sees your support beams. Nobody wants to see the I-beam you got running across the expanse of your living room. Yeah. The supports thing. Nobody sees that. Yeah, but true. man, I've seen one show where they wanted like an open concept to achieve that. They needed a really strong beam that ran the length of this huge kind of kitchen, dining room, living room combination. And they literally brought in an I-beam. And it costs something ridiculous, like $10,000. And then just the installation of it, you had like all these guys trying to carry it, get it installed. It's a lot, but that's the thing is, it is, it's a lot. (laughs) But when you've got something that is, wisdom says, you know, I've built my house and I've set up my seven the perfect number of pillars. You know, in other words, these pillars probably represent different things, the seven spirits of wisdom. Oh, you know, okay. we, we talk about wisdom um, being wisdom is the spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and the reverential awe of God. Oh, so that's seven. When I hear that, I, that's what I'm thinking about, these pillars Got of, it. you know, like even just to think about the spirit of wisdom is the spirit of wisdom, uh-huh. but then the spirit of wisdom is the spirit of understanding, right. the spirit of knowledge. See how it goes through all these different right. things and talking about, you know, different um, counsel. Right. Wisdom talks about getting instruction. Yep. So these are foundational pillars I that support it. somebody's life. Verse two, and you know, here's what I love about it is wisdom's talking about all the work that wisdom has done ahead of time before the party, so to speak. So you just read wisdom has built her house. She's hewn out and set up her seven pillars. Number two, she has killed her beasts and she has mixed her spiritual wine. She's also set her table. Mm, Preparation in order. Three, she has sent out her maids to cry from the highest places of the town. Why didn't she do three at first? Like, why didn't she send out her maids to cry from the highest parts of the town first and then build her house? 
but notice the way wisdom's There's done things. There's an order, yeah. yeah. Wisdom's built the place where the party's going to be. You know, it's wisdom inter- set up the pillars first, right? Right. There's always that order. Yeah. I've heard many people say, and I probably said it in the past too, but I don't want to say it anymore. People say, well, I don't really need to do things in order. I mean, of course, we can get in bondage. You you did a series of teaching called Order the Border for Success. And it wasn't that you're saying that order is success, but order puts up proper borders of protection that leads to success, that helps the success manifest. And I think I've heard some people say, well, you know, you're just being legalistic. You know, I can say whatever I want to say and do whatever I want to do because God knows my heart and not really even willing to be. Uh, humble themselves to say, Lord, I want more wisdom. I want more understanding to be strategic, to learn that there is an order. There is a way, even though you show me a word that prophetically that's going to happen, there is an order that's supposed to take place in God's way of thinking to set up for that final will of God. And I think sometimes we as people aren't willing to submit to that order. Absolutely. That's so good. You know, when we were just coming through this, verse 1, 2, and 3, and we end off on 3 where it says, she sent out her maids to cry out from the highest places of the town. And here's what the maids cry in verse 4. Whoever is simple, easily led astray and wavering, let him turn in mm-hmm. here. But think about it. There is no here until wisdom has already wow. prepared planned place, and yeah. prepared, mm, right? That's good. And so, you know, I think it's important to remember that the season of R&D, you know, research and development is not the season of production. The season of production is not the season of marketing and selling. And a lot of times I find people want to reverse the order because everybody wants to get excited about kind of like the exchange and get excited about, you know, getting the foundation of commerce going where we're trading dollars for products and things like that. But you got to realize there's a process in everything good where you start with research and development. This is even true in ministry. You have to be willing to develop something. God gives us seeds. He gives us ideas and concepts. And sometimes I find people just want to run out the door and, you know, the Lord told me this and God, you know, it's like, wait a sec here. You, you may be in the R&D stage, right, right? right? You just downloaded the seed from God. Now go into production. See, there's work involved. Right. Wait on the Lord. Mm-hmm. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I think we can get very, um, speaking personally from my point of view, we can get really discouraged sometimes if we don't submit ourselves to the way, to the way. And like what you said, there's different timing. And I think sometimes if we get things out of order, like you said, and we jump and we do things, then we think that it wasn't really a word from the Lord or God doesn't really want this for us or whatever. And really, it's not that at all. It's just we haven't been willing to submit ourselves to paying attention, to listening to, it's great that He gave us that word, and that's wonderful. But now then, we have to posture ourselves to also take the time and build in the margin into our day to pay attention and listen, okay, now you showed me this. Now, God, what's the first step? What's the second Mm, step? What's the third step? And when you finish the first step, sometimes God gives all steps, you know, at one time, but sometimes you have to just be obedient to the first step, then he'll share the second step. But if we, like we've talked about this many times about if the goal is to go to the second floor, I wanted in the past wanted to just jump to the second floor, but I could sprain a, an ankle or something or hurt myself. No, I go step by step, and then I get to the top floor in the right time, in the right place, learning unusual and wonderful things with every step that I take. Well, let's just talk about something practical. And recently, 
you and I just wrote this song that I'll say is a great song. Oh, it's called so beautiful At the Cross. from the Lord. And it's beautiful. And we downloaded, I feel like, from heaven the song in just a short amount of time, like probably less than less than 30 minutes, we kind of got the concept of the song. So that came fast. But then we were really in R&D stage. Like right. we were in research and development. We were just hearing the voice of God. And then we moved from there into production where we started really going over it and just asking the Lord for help. Is this the right bridge? Is this the way this should go? Should right. it be this way? And then we even brought it into the studio and started recording it. And then even like that, you know, we had friends come over and lay down drums, lay down bass. And, and in doing that, it's like, well, should that be that way? Does that complement what the Lord sang in this song? And does this complement the anointing or does this take away from it? Right. Does this add to it? And so we get through all this process. 50 hours later. More. You know, we just, it's funny. We just had one of our dear friends over today who's uh, an audio engineer and plays some bass and stuff. And he was just saying, like, I can only imagine the hours upon hours that went into this, what seems like a very simple production. But it's because God leads us from wisdom to understanding right, to knowledge. Right. It manifests over time. And that's just the way a lot of good things happen. They take, you can't be afraid of process. Process is okay. So here we are. We're with wisdom, and wisdom has said she's finally got to the place where she's ready to invite people over. Mm-hmm. She's got everything prepared. Now she's saying, whoever is simple, easily let astray and wavering, let him turn in here. As for him who lacks understanding, God's wisdom says to him, verse 5, Come eat of my bread and drink of the spiritual wine which I have mixed. So this is stuff that's been prepared by wisdom. Eat of my bread. This is what we're doing. Folks, if you're listening to this, you're driving down the road or you're at home just meditating in your easy chair. As we're doing this, we're eating the bread of life, God's word. But God's prepared this. Like God's really put some work in delivering his wisdom to these pages that we might receive it. And it says, drink of the spiritual wine, which I've mixed. And then verse six, leave off. So part of this is consuming what God has given. But that's not all of it. Verse 6, it says, leave off simple ones. Forsake the foolish and the simple-minded. Oh, but wait a sec, Pastor Stephen. I thought we're just supposed to love everybody, and we're supposed to just go after everybody, and we're supposed to just chase the lost down. It's like, when did you ever see Jesus running here and there, chasing anybody and everybody? I've said before, the rich young ruler, they met at a crossroad, and the rich young ruler refused to hold Jesus' words in a context of obedience, and so Jesus loved him, and when he walked away, Jesus was sad, but the rich young ruler went one way, and Jesus went another way. It's like in Luke 15, when the prodigal son wanted only what was in the father's hand, only the stuff, but not what was in the father's heart. The father didn't chase after him. And so here we have an invitation, but it says, come eat of my bread, drink of my spiritual wine, which I've mixed, but leave off simple ones, forsake the foolish and the simple minded. Well, you need God's word to help you even know who is actually pursuing wisdom and who are pursuing foolishness. And it says, and live, leave off simple ones and live and walk in the way of insight and understanding. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it really is a fork in the road, folks. You've got to decide what path you're going to walk. 
And it's not enough just to eat the bread and drink the spiritual wine which wisdom has prepared. But you also have to leave off your wrong relationships. You know, it's interesting when you're talking about the man who met Jesus and Jesus said, I want you to do this. And he walked away because he couldn't do it. We like to think that later on, he came to himself, he humbled himself and came back. I believe it. (laughs) You know, that's what we want to know. Just like the prodigal son, you know, there was a leaving there. There was a separation, but he came back and it was restored. And so... The Bible says that the prodigal son came to himself. Mm -hmm. And I think every one of us have to come to a place where we come to ourselves, where we cease to be deluded and we're willing to, like we talked about at the beginning, change our thinking, right? Yeah. Seven, he who rebukes a scorner heaps upon himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man gets for himself bruises. Wow. Wow, and for sure, more so, wow. I so have this done is what this said. so yeah, much you've heard in me, the past. You've heard me kind of pull you out of the fire oh. in many cases like this. You don't give a rebuke is something of value. A reproof is something of great value. And you don't give it to just anybody. It says here, he who rebukes a scorner, guess what you do? You end up you get keeping abuse, abuse yeah. upon yourself. When you reprove a wicked man, what do you do? You get bruises. Yeah. So in other words, don't do it. Yeah, don't give reproof to just anybody. If someone was talking to me, I think they would, hopefully a lot of people have discernment and saying, Pam's ready for me to give an answer in this. But sometimes when you try because you you just love people and want them to go forward and and you say, I've got an answer and you do it in the most trying to be the most tender way. It doesn't matter if you say it sweet, loud, no matter how you say it, a scorner, if they're unwilling to submit themselves and humble themselves, they'll abuse you. You'll get bit. You know, it's I've so got, funny, Pam, is we were just hearing recently a of a, a good friend of ours, and she decided that in a very tender, loving, and she told us even what she said, in a tender, loving, compassionate way, she was going to help correct, reprove this other friend of hers in Facebook land. <laughs> Facebook land. Right? And so mm-hmm. in Facebook land, you know, this, something came up and she knew her position on something and she thought, well, I'm just going to kind of help her out here. And Well, you know, let me just say this. This person, this friend of hers on Facebook actually was asking, does anybody have different views on this? Right. She was even acting like she wanted to have answers, but that wasn't the when case. When somebody usually rhetorically puts out a question like that, they don't want the answer. Yeah, right. They're basically wanting everybody Facebook in and just tell Please. me how good I am and what how I, smart yeah, I am yeah, and how right, brilliant right. I am. So anyway, and go so ahead. as she's telling the story, I'm, I was fighting back the grin because I'm thinking, I can almost smell what's going to happen. Yeah, right. And of course, this girl... And all of her friends basically attacked this girl that was coming up with a different point of view. Yeah. Don't reprove a scorner because it's it's biblical. Verse 8 says, reprove not a scorner lest he hates you. Yeah. But it says, reprove a wise man or a wise woman and she will love you. She'll adore you. It's a good way to test even your own heart, Lord. Not that we take what every person says. We have to always base it with the wisdom and understanding of the word of God and our discernment. But we can even test our own heart. If we're being wise or we're just planting our feet and being stubborn and saying, you know what, I've just decided to go the way of being a scorner here. Or we can also prove 
relationships. Like if you just tenderly give maybe just one little answer that the Lord has given you that you've seen really work and somebody just hate you for it. Yeah. It's one thing to just not like it, but they hate you for it. You kind of go, you know, I don't think I'm going to throw out very much other wisdom nuggets here because they turn and rend me. And until they are willing to not rend me and seethe, you know, but yet reprove a wise man and woman. And he loves that. He mm. loves you. So who do we give instruction to? Who do we give wisdom to? Who do we even give reproof to? Look, read verse nine. Give instruction to a wise man and woman. And he will be yet wiser. Teach a righteous man and woman, one upright and right standing with God, and he will increase in learning. And I mentioned, you know, I've taught Bible to people. I've taught guitar to people. I've taught worship leading to people. I've taught different things. When you're really getting into teaching people to do something better, it's impossible to really effectively mentor and teach somebody something without correcting them. And by correcting, it means, okay, you're doing this wrong. Now do it this way. And it will be right. And it'll be right. Mm -hmm. It'll be correct. You're going the wrong way here. You're going to paint yourself into a corner, go this way, and things are going to get even better and easier. And like I said, I love showing some young girl or guy who's learning to play guitar and wanting to do this better and struggling maybe with a certain voicing and saying, oh, my fingers, my hands are just too small to do that. And me just going, look, you got your thumb too high in your neck. Just drop it there. Now look. And suddenly they're like, they look at me like, what did you just do to me? You made my fingers grow. You somehow loosened up my hand, but it's correction. It's instruction. Right. So verse 10 says, the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord. Remember back the hand you see. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning, the chief, the choice part of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is insight and understanding. Mm. 11. For by me, wisdom from God, your days shall be multiplied and the years of your life shall be increased. You know, it's amazing going back to 10 and 11, putting those together. Again, the worshipful, to be a true worshiper, we honor and reverence the Lord and we seek wisdom. But if we're not willing to submit ourselves in our daily walk to wisdom and understanding, that's really the beginning of being a true worshiper. And if we want our days to a long, long life full of joy and abundance. It says it right here, for by me, wisdom from God, our days will be multiplied and the years of our life shall be increased. So really it's long life full of joy and abundance. Absolutely. And remember what we read in Proverbs 4 verse 7. We read that wisdom is the principal thing. Mm -hmm. So in all of life, in all of our dealings, you know, we just read here, your day shall be multiplied. Well, backing up to 10, the reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord is the beginning, the choice part of wisdom. We also heard from Proverbs 4, 7 that wisdom is the principal thing. So then therefore, the reverent and worshipful fear and awe of God is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. And wisdom is the principal thing. So we're going really down to the foundation of life. And I've heard people say, well, now, you know, in Christian living, prayer is the main thing. Or in Christian living, worship is the main thing. Singing a song unto the Lord. In Christian living, obedience is the main thing. Or wait. Let's just go back to God's word. What does God himself say is the principal thing? Wisdom is the principal thing. Well, because Jesus is the source of wisdom. And I think it goes back to 
Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer. In other words, Jesus taught us to pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, then your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And sometimes we have to realize there's a pattern here. There's number one floor, there's number two floor, there's number three floor. The kingdom of God, God's way of thinking and doing things has to be established to get to the will of God. Until we know wisdom and understanding, how can we pray effectively? Are we supposed to pray? Yes. Are we supposed to sing? Yes. Are we supposed to lift our hands and make a joyful noise into the Lord and be thankful? Yes. But until we get the wisdom and understanding, Lord, how can we even be speaking and singing and being obedient in God's way of thinking? So remember that the wisdom of God is the principal thing. So therefore, if you're going to pray, you pray from the wisdom of God. If you're going to sing a worship song, you sing your worship song based on the pillar of God's wisdom. If you're going to prophesy, you prophesy from God's... You Mm. cannot prophesy something that contradicts the very wisdom, and which is the Word of God. You can't really sing a worship song. Remember, we talked about John 4. Jesus said, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. You can't be in spirit, but not in truth, or vice versa, being truth, but be disrespective of the spirit, the tonality of what God sang. So the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, and Jesus said he will lead us into all truth. Wisdom is the principal thing. That's so good. You can slice it and dice it however you want. You can say that, you know, this activity or this exercise or this experience is the main thing. But the truth is you always come back to God's word and God's word says wisdom is the principal thing. Verse 12, if you are wise, you're wise for yourself. You know, I like that. Sometimes if you want to help other people, you have got to get help yourself. You know, like wisdom just did at the very beginning here. If wisdom is going to reach out to the simple, wisdom prepares her house first, um, gets her pillars in place. Gets strong herself before she does the outreach. Makes her bread, Mm -hmm. gets her spiritual wine. She gets all these things, then sends her maidens out Mm -hmm. to invite her guests over. But there's a lot of preparation in wisdom's case to saving the simple. And so in this case here, we're reading, if you are wise, you're wise for yourself. If you scorn, you alone will bear it and pay the penalty. Rut row, number 13, the foolish one is noisy. She is simple and open to all forms of evil. She willfully and recklessly knows nothing whatever of eternal value. Sometimes... Quite a contrast, right? Yeah, I think... Between the foolish... That foolish spirit, you know, this is what we're talking about. You know, it's not just, again, not just gender specific. This could be a foolish man is noisy. Oh, yeah. But that foolish spirit we're talking about, as opposed to the wise spirit. The wise have built her house. So the foolish woman's noisy. She's simple, open all forms of evil. Verse 14, for she sits at the door of her house or on a seat in the conspicuous places of the town. 15, calling to those who pass by who go uprightly on their way. Ooh, I'm starting to get a little parallel here, right? Mm-hmm. You know, also getting back to verse 13, the foolish one is noisy. You know, I like to get loud and excited and soft and everything. I mean, I like loudness. That's fine. But I think we've become a culture sometimes in this world today that the louder the clamoring, 
The louder the person's voice or the incessant talking of someone, wow, that person just is amazing and this is amazing and they must know what they want. And sometimes I think we are enamored by loudness, clamoring. And honey, tell that study where in the Old Testament says that when they built the temple, there was no sound when they put up the temple. Yeah, they quarried the stones. They measured them. They perfectly shaped them and quarried them, sanded them, chiseled them in the quarry, like in the place in where they cut them. Kind of, right? yeah. But then they carried them, the stones, these big stones for the temple, so that when they brought them to the temple, even in the building of the temple, there was such a reverence and such an expectation for God's manifest presence that when they brought the stones, there was never an axe or a chisel laid to the yeah. stones no in the temple. No right? loud hammering. They just <laughs> slid them. They were shaped so they were dovetailed, so the stones would just slide perfectly into place and lock. But there there was no sound in the temple. All that was done in the stone quarry. Wow. Just out of reverence for God, but out of great expectation for his presence. Yeah. So this is so interesting. We're listening to foolishness and foolishness in a lot of ways is trying to imitate, think about it, wisdom. Because it says, um, we read at 14, she sits at the door of her house, the seat of her conspicuous places in town. She's calling to those who pass by and go upright on their way. Verse 16, whoever is simple, wavering and easily led astray, let him turn in here. Look up here, look up here. But wait a sec. Verse 16 is the exact same verse, almost, as verse 4. Oh, okay. Wisdom says, whoever is simple and easily led astray, let him turn in here. Verse 16, foolishness says, whoever is simple, wavering and easily led astray, let him turn in here. So and mimics. as for him who lacks understanding, she says to him, it's like she's imitating yeah, mimicking. wisdom, mm-hmm. calling to the same audience. They're both going after the same audience, those who are lacking yeah. wisdom. But there's a different tone. Um, Would you think there's a different motivation? Different motivation and different tone. Oh, for sure. 17, stolen waters, pleasures are sweet because they're forbidden, and bread eaten in secret seems pleasant. Look at the contrast. Verse 5, wisdom says, eat of my bread that I've already made and drink of the spiritual wine, which I have mixed. Like, so wisdom has got the authentic thing, bread and wine that she owns and has paid the price for. Right. Now you get foolishness going, no, no, forget that stuff. Stolen waters are sweet because mm-hmm. they're forbidden and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. pleasant. And then verse 18, but he knows not. So this victim, the simple person knows not that the shades of the dead are there. Specters haunting the scene of past transgressions and that her invited guests are already sunk in the depths of Shoal, the lower world, Hades, the place of the dead. Man, that's dark. I think it's important to know that, again, let's take back the terms. When it's talking about a simple person or simple acting person, this does not mean intelligent. You can have a genius who's got doctorates after the name. It doesn't mean intelligent. It means that you're not seeking the wisdom and understanding of God because it says that sense and reason without the Holy Spirit is death. So in other words, the simple does not mean intelligent. It means that they've refused God's way of thinking and doing things. So they're being simple. They're being kind of acting stupid and they're not stupid. But you're acting it at that point because... I kind of think of it like this, you know, like when you were born into this world, we're all born into this world simple. We're all born with a need. The arena of our mind and of our thinking is a great, endless landscape ready 
primed, designed by God to hold the wisdom of God, the laws and the statutes of God. You know, our minds are this massive landscape of holding territory, geography, ready to be landscaped with the wisdom of God, with the very statutes and laws and the the knowing of the knowledge of the Holy One. And we're all born without that, but ready for it, with an inherent desire in our heart to know God. And that's the only thing that will really fill that geography of our being. But it says right here that foolishness, you know, obviously designed by Satan, our arch enemy, is calling to us always with a fraudulent pitch. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Hey, I know you're you're missing some stuff in the geography and the landscape of your mind. And he would like us to get consumed with being filled with knowledge, even just chasing university courses, chasing higher education in the world. See, worldly education is not spiritual education. There's nothing wrong with getting an education on how to do certain things in the world, but a secular education is never a substitute for God's wisdom, for the principal thing that sustains life. Just because you know the science behind rocket engineering doesn't mean you can successfully live a meaningful life or have a clue to your relationship with your Creator, with your Maker. As you quoted earlier, Romans 8, 6 says, sense and reason without the Holy Spirit is death. Exactly. That's what happened in the Garden of Eden with our grandparents, Adam and Eve. They went after the knowledge of good and evil. They went after just knowledge without the boundaries and the borders and the laws of wisdom. And if you don't have wisdom, and wisdom is completely different than knowledge. Wisdom based on God's word is the knowing of God, of his principles, of his spiritual laws. And that's why the world mocks wisdom, because they're in a love affair with a wisdom that is earthly. Like James 3 talks about, it says it's a superficial wisdom not based on God's unchanging truth. It's based on the knowledge of experience, supporting things like situational ethics. It's a sensual knowledge that exalts feeling and preference over the laws of life in Christ Jesus. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with science. Science over and over confirms God's word, but we use science just to help us exist in this world. The science of mankind can never prepare us for eternity and for spiritual things. And there's a lot of cause and effect on this planet Earth that have everything to do with spiritual things. Oh, that's so true. Pam, lead us in prayer. Let's pray Proverbs 9 with our friends. Father, I thank you that we we submit ourselves to wisdom, Lord, from you. Father, your wisdom, your kingdom come, your will be done, your way of thinking, your way of doing things. And Father, I thank you because of that when we seek you in all areas of our life. Lord, we bind our mind, will, and emotions in our bodies to the working and the leading of you, Holy Spirit, to the working and the leading of your wisdom, to the working and the leading of your kingdom, your way of thinking and doing things. And I thank you because of that, Lord, you are giving us long, long life full of joy and abundance. Father, I thank you, Lord, we submit ourselves and we worship you in spirit and in truth. And we say, eyes be open, ears be open, heart be open to hear God's way, to do God's way and be blessed. Father, I thank you that you're making us strong so that we can be strong for others as well. I thank you, Lord, that as we prepare and build our lives on the foundation of wisdom, we can truly affect our family, our sphere of influence, our world around us with your goodness, your way of thinking and doing things. Lord, we know that your will is that you have good things ahead for us and you're a restorer that your mercy endureth 
with forever. So we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you. This has been great just being in Proverbs 9 today. Thank God for his word and uh, keep in touch with us. Go to stephenandpam.com and let us know what you think of Proverbs 9 and any thoughts that you have. Keep praying for us, our ministry, and we'll keep praying for you and believe in God that his word will manifest in your life with healings, signs and wonders, deliverances and strength. And remember, keep in tune with God's thinking and your thinking will keep advancing. Keep allowing his thinking to change your thinking and it will be impossible for your life not to keep moving forward and being promoted in Jesus' name. God bless you. And never forget, you You are are born born to win. Thanks for listening to Stephen and Pam Marshall. To receive more information or more teaching, go to www.stephenandpam.com. Stephen and Pam Ministries is a 501c3 charitable organization and your gift helps us to take this message to 1,000 communities worldwide.